the division of Abiha, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. May the Lord bless in our presence today, and may we recognize his presence in this place. Our series for the month of December will be marvelous messages from uh, about Christmas. And the first in that series is the passage that you just heard and the video that you saw keeps me from having to set the stage for that grand event. Uh, magnificent messages of Christmas. We'll be talking about the different angelic appearances and the messages that they bring. But listen, folks, I believe in practical preaching with all my heart. Too often we hear stories about Christmas, we hear biblical stories, and we think about, Melody, we never connect it to us. And I want that to be different this morning. You see, Zechariah went into the house of God and he was blown away by what happened to him there personally. You have come to the house of God this morning and I don't want you to miss what God has for you. I want you to look up here and I want you to repeat after I say this and I have a reason for doing this. This morning, you're Zechariah and I want you to say out loud, this morning, I am Zechariah. Come on, let's say it together. This morning, I am Zechariah. The ladies really had trouble with that, didn't they? I mean, it's a man. Do you get the point? This morning, I want you to put yourself in Zechariah's shoes. I want you to be Zechariah so that you can learn the lesson, so I can learn the lesson of the danger of doubt. Usually we think about Christmas and I know you, you want to hear the joyous stories and I'll get there. 
But this Christmas story begins with Zechariah in the temple of God, and his message is of doubting the blessings of God. I want you to notice from that, why is it a message of the danger of doubt? It is because of worshiping, expecting to meet with God. The verses say, now while he was serving as a priest, I should have highlighted that, before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. All of that is important. You need to see that. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. You saw his response. Charles, I, I get some sense of that. I mean, as the video said, there'd been 400 years of silence. That you, you need to understand that from the end of the book of Malachi, the end of those prophets and, and the ministry of those prophets, until he spoke to Zechariah, there had been 400 years without such inspiration, without such a message. And so it was surprising. But he should have understood. He should have been prepared. Because he was in the... God, he was in the holy place. He was there to burn incense. He was in the place that God had said, I will always be there. He was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord. That is the place of God's presence. He should have understood that he should have been meeting with God. On this morning, you have come into the place of God's presence. Oh, you say, Brother Lynn, God's everywhere. Yes, He is. But He also says that He indwells every believer. The Spirit of God lives inside every one of you who has trusted Christ as Savior. Jimmy, you want to explain that? He's everywhere, but He's inside of you. And He promised him that where two or three are gathered together in His name, He'll be there in the midst of them. So there is a sense that He is here in this meeting, John, in a way that He is nowhere else. We have the promise of His presence. And when we come into this place, we need to acknowledge that Jesus is in the room. Not only is He in the place of God's presence, but He is dealing with the symbol of God's presence says he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. That incense, the smoke, mark the smoke of the incense, is a symbol of the presence of God. You remember when Moses went up the mountain? said he went up, Amber, he went up into the cloud. That was a symbol of the presence of God. And so, Jonathan, when, when they burned the incense uh, in the holy place, in the holy of holies, drifted into the holy of holies, and the and the presence of God filled the temple and the smoke was a symbol of the presence of God. He, he was supposed to know that. And yet he was shocked when an angel showed up. 
we have the promise of God's presence. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. God is in the room. I've said to you endlessly, you may get tired of hearing this, that's okay. I'm still going to say it. When you come into this place, you need to acknowledge that you've come into the very presence of God. And so I have a question for you. When you came into this place, did you expect to meet with God? You see, God came here to meet with you. He came here to speak to you today. To speak to your heart personally and powerfully. Did you expect to meet with God? When you came here today, did you expect to hear from God? Again, I say it again and again. If you come to this place and all you hear is my words and my message, you will have been cheated and you will leave shortchanged. shortchanged. Open your heart. Open your ears and let the words come in, but open your heart and let the Spirit of God penetrate so that you hear what God has to say to you personally and powerfully today. And did you come prepared today to be involved in a spiritual transaction with God? Catherine, we used to use the old term, uh, Melody talks about the old-fashioned preaching. And Melody, we used to use the term, did you come ready to do business with God? Well, that may be too church speak for some of you. You may not understand what we mean by that. But God came here to, to have a spiritual interaction with you, to do something in your life and call upon you to make a commitment to God today. Week after week, I ask you to make the commitment to God that He is asking you to make. Some of you, I know, are supposed to do that, and yet week after week, you don't. Listen, God came here today to convince you to do His will, to surrender your life to Him, and to serve Him with all that you are. When you came to church, did you expect to meet with God, to hear from God, and to have a spiritual transaction, interaction with God? Number two, the problem with doubt comes when we are serving God without expecting Him to impact our life. That is to do anything within us. How does that happen? How can you possibly serve God? He, I mean, Zechariah was in the temple through his course. He was doing what was always done. Uh, I'm not sure which day it was of his service that he did that. But he was doing what some of, some of us do. That is ritual without relationship. Ritual without a, without a relationship, a personal relationship of with Jesus Christ. He was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense, something that was done again and again. But there appeared this time to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell on him. He was there going through the ritual, but he was shocked when God showed up through an angel that he sent with a special message to Zechariah. 
And when God steps into our lives and He begins to convict us, it shocks us out of our shoes. We stand in the service and the Spirit of God moves at the preaching of the Word of God. Listen, this message is not my, me my message. It is a message from the Lord because it is from the Word of God. And the Spirit of God moves when the Word of God is preached and He speaks to your heart. And you need not be shocked when God shows up. You better hope and pray that God does show up in this service and you ought to hope that he would be speaking to you and you would open your heart and open your mind to hear what he has to say and to do what he tells you to do we get in trouble when we have ritual without relationship and it may be it may just be that that is no more true at any time in our lives than in the christmas season we buy the gifts, we put up the trees, we do the decorations, we do all the things, we cook the meals, we invite the families, we, maybe we go and, and we serve the homeless. Maybe we, but do we do those things because we have a relationship with God and do we grow in the relationship with God so that He is present and He is a part of everything we are and everything we do. Be careful about operating with ritual without a relationship. If you do not know Christ as Savior, listen to me very carefully. God died for a relationship for you, the person of Jesus Christ. He wants a personal relationship with you he wants to adopt you into his family he wants to give you his spirit to live inside of you he wants you to be a child of God a joint heir with Christ he wants a personal relationship with you if you have never come to Christ you've never repented of your sins and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins to come into your heart, if in short, if you have never placed your life and your soul in His hands, you have no relationship. You may have a ritual, but you do not have a relationship. And Jesus Christ wants a personal relationship with you. The other thing about what Zechariah was doing was function without faith. He was, Jonathan was going through the motions. Just going through the motions. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I, shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. You know, I, I thought about that, and I, I saw it again in the video. When he said that, I, I like the way it was portrayed in the video when he said, How shall I know that? And Gabriel I started to say he got in the flesh, but I guess he has no flesh, so he couldn't get in the flesh. He got upset. I'm Gabriel. I've, I think about it. Amber, I think he might have said, dude, how many times has an angel appeared to you? Duh. I was in the president's office at the school in Florida, the seminary in Florida. Just I was on faculty and was in the president's office. We were talking about that I was resigning and going to 
Africa as a missionary. He was not a happy camper. Um, God was, but he wasn't. But his phone rang. Shelley picked up the phone and said, this is Rick, seminary. And the person said something, and he said, no. Said something else, he said, no. I'm not him, and he's not here. And the next thing he said, it's the wrong number. Get the picture? It's the wrong number. And the guy's arguing with him about being the wrong number. And Rick said, have I ever lied to you before? And hung up the phone. Now, now you know how to answer a wrong number, okay? Yes, it's the wrong number. Have I ever lied to you before? Here's Gabriel. How shall I know this? Dude, how many angels have you heard from? I, I stand in the presence of God and I've come here with a message, a special message for you. But he never expected to hear from God and he never expected God to have a special message for him or to have any impact in his life. He was frightened and he responded with fear rather than with faith. The Bible says multiple times, in case you don't see that bottom line of the places it occurs, the just shall live by faith. Is your life right now characterized by fear or by faith? Listen, the just shall live by faith. It is our faith in God that keeps us going. It is our faith in God that motivates us, and it is our faith in God that satisfies us. And we know, we believe with all our hearts that Jesus died for us and that we live for Him. And we live, John, by our faith and by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us problem with his doubt number three was that he was praying to God without expecting an answer Aaron I noticed that this was not in the video the angel said to him do not be afraid Zachariah get this your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Your prayer has been heard. You see, Zechariah answered, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. Oh, it's too late for me. God, I know you can do anything, but it's too late for me. I'm an old man, and my wife is well gotten along in years. By the way, Guys, that is a literal translation of what he said. And this is not a part of the sermon, but it won't cost you any extra. That's a wise thing to say. I'm old, but my wife has well gotten along in years. He didn't, he didn't say she's old too. So be careful, guys. Take that as a word of advice. It's too late. I'm an old man, old man and my wife is advanced in years. You see, they were still praying. For a son. Nancy, they've been praying so long for that, it no longer had any meaning. Just like some of the prayers that are said in church over the offering 
and you say the same thing over and over again. I've told you before, there were some guys in our church where I grew up, Delane, I could tell you what they were going to say before they got it out of their mouth because they always said it in the same order. They could have at least mixed up the order, you know, but they said it in the same order every time they prayed out loud. Zechariah had been saying, Lord, give us a son. We want a son so bad. Give us a son. And he was still praying that. And Joe, long ago, he gave up on that prayer. But it was a part of his prayer, so he just prayed those words with no meaning. He was praying by habit instead of by heart. Listen, don't just run reruns in your prayers. I prayed that way because, John, I've always prayed that way. Don't, don't use reruns in your prayers. It's okay to say the same words again if they come from the heart. Pour out your heart to God. Oh, wait, I can't preach that yet. That's January's sermon, 40 days of prayer. But anyway, don't, don't run reruns in your heart, in your prayers, just to, to, to run reruns. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Pour out your heart to God and He will answer. He was praying out of habit instead of by heart. Not only that, but He was praying without believing. Praying without believing. He really did not believe. I mean, if He had really believed, Roger, that, what the, that God was going to answer the prayer... He would have been shouting glory when the, when the angel said, Your prayers have been heard. I almost feel like he said, What prayers? Pam, what, what prayers? I, what prayers is it I prayed? I wonder if he'd even forgotten what he was saying. And again, Becky, I, I can't get away from that thing. Well, wait a minute, dude. How many times has an angel spoken to you? What do you mean? How shall I know? I'm Gabriel. Don't you get it? God has answered his prayer and he's not even ready to receive. Listen to me. When you pray to God, you better be ready to receive the answer. God does hear and God does answer. It may not be on your time schedule, but God does hear and God does answer. When you pray, you better be ready to receive the answer. Doubt is dangerous. It's not wrong to say the same prayer over and over, but it's wrong and terribly sad when there is no faith attached to it. Be very careful when someone says to you, if you'll repeat these words, you'll be saved. Just repeat after me. Where's the heart? Where's the faith? There better be some faith attached to those words. Give your heart to God. Pray to God and have some faith attached to it. And then finally, the problem with the doubt of Zechariah and the problem that, that, that deals with us. By the way, do you remember that you started off the service by saying, Today I'm Zechariah? You know what that means? That means you're supposed to take this personally today. Uh, listen, I'm not one of those preachers who says, I'll say this for the benefit of the guest. Everybody else here has already heard me say this. But for our guest, I'm not one of those preachers who say, now don't take this personally. 
Don't take this personally. I want you to take it personally. It's the Word of God, and it's God's message for you. Don't shovel it over your shoulder to somebody else. Don't be sitting there thinking, oh, I'm glad brother so-and-so's here because he really needs this today. You're Zechariah and you need this today. Take it personally. Hearing God's promises without believing he will do it. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife, there it is again, well advanced in years. The angel answered and said, I'm Gabriel. Dude, I'm Gabriel. Do you get it? I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, by the way, since you wouldn't believe, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. I said to you that I believe in practical preaching. So let me just tell you, all that was introduction. Some of you just sat in stunned silence. Here's the sermon. The danger of doubt. Doubt disappoints. God. God expects you to believe. And when you do not believe Him and you do not trust Him, it breaks His heart. He is disappointed because you did not believe my words. Jesus came to die on a cross and He paid for your sins. And how do you think God feels when you reject the sin offering He has made and you refuse to believe? Doubt disappoints God. Not only that, doubt disables God. Doubt disables God. I sometimes call Charles names when I talk about theology. He's the other preacher in the crowd. And Charles, I, I cannot explain why it says, but it does say it in the Bible. He could do no mighty works there. Talking about when he went to, back to his hometown. He could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. How can you disable the God of heaven? I, don't, I can't explain that, Kim, but that's what the Bible says. And when we doubt, we disable God in our lives. Listen, don't miss this. Not only was Zechariah disabled in that he could not speak, but so was God. He was limited. He God was limited in how he could use Zechariah because Zechariah's voice was taken away. Jonathan, think about what kind of message, what kind of, what kind of sermon could Zechariah have preached when he came out of the temple about the faithfulness of God, writing about the power of God. What kind of testimony might he have, have given, but his doubt cut out his tongue, so to speak, not literally, but silenced him God could have spoken powerfully through him Kai but he could not because of his disbelief don't let that be you do not allow your doubt to disable God how 
Many times in how many ways have we disabled God by our doubt? Not only that, but doubt can destroy a church. Our doubt silences our witness and even turns it into a witness against God. A faithless church. Listen to me. A doubting church is a disabled church and a crippled church. Don't look for those blanks. You'll just have to write it down. It's not there. A doubting church is a disabled church, a crippled church, and a faithless church is a dying church. Shall live, the just shall live by faith. And a church that has no faith and is operating in the flesh and not in the faith of the Son of God is a church that is already on the path to death. A dying church. Doubt is dangerous and can destroy a church. And doubt condemns an unbeliever. You see, the Bible says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. If you do not, if you're not willing to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to receive the Savior, the, the person of that gospel, it's not the sins that you've committed all your life that will really send you to hell. It is your doubt. It is your refusal to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Son of God. And your unbelief, your doubt, don't blame it on God. He's done everything necessary to get you to heaven and it's up to you to receive that gift by faith. And it is doubt that will condemn you. For by grace are you saved. By the way, I can't preach this sermon and leave it on such a negative note. I want you to understand, read the rest of the chapter. God did exactly what He said He would do. In verse 24, after these days, His wife, the the old lady who was no, not old, she was advanced in years, conceived a child in her womb. For with God, nothing is impossible. Listen to me. God keeps His promises. He will do what He has said He will do. And He will do it in your life and in mine just believe. Trust in Him. Commit your life to Him. Give Him your all. I want us to stand together. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You said with me, I'm Zechariah. That means I'm willing to take this message personally. And I want to ask you, what is it that God wants you to do today? Why did this, was this message preached in this place at this time? Is that just an accident? Is that just a coincidence? Or does God have something to say to you? Is there a decision that you need to make? Is there a commitment that you need to make?
I would ask you at this time, 